This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Hey folks, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome to Open for Business. The financial planning industry has grown considerably over the last few years. Between 2015 and 2022, the number of firms increased by 42% from 31 to 44 as at the end of 2022, while the number of licensed representatives grew over 145% in that same period to over 1,400 representatives in the industry. Despite that growth though, the industry needs to keep up with the times as changing demographics along with the rise of digital solutions and AI-powered tools could pose challenges to the long-term health of this industry. To get a better sense for the business of financial planning, address criticisms of the industry, and of course, get into the potential disruption from tech and digital solutions. Today, we speak with Yap Ming Hui, the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors, a holistic wealth management firm. Now advising more than 2 billion ringgit worth of clients' wealth, Whitman was founded back in 2000 and initially focused on wealthier clients, but the firm has expanded its client base from 2008 onwards in a bid to help more Malaysians with their journeys to financial freedom. Minghui, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I feel very great to share this, my passionate story. It's a bit of a change of pace for us because we mm-hmm. used to ch- talk uh, on Ringe and Sense. So today, not so much about personal finance, we're going to be talking about your own ring and sense and dollar and sense of the business of Whitman. Mm. Now, you started Whitman 23 years ago. Yeah. Back then, um, mm. I think the, be all, the the big thing was insurance agencies and mm. selling insurance products. But you went ahead and started a financial planning business, or at least you started with will writing and then went into financial planning and wealth management. Mm. Why did you essentially buck the trend at that point? What was the opportunity you saw with mm. financial planning and wealth management? Uh, I, I see, of course, uh, to, to be honest, my wife used to be an agency manager for life insurance business. Okay. So even though I'm not in the life insurance industry, I get to know how the industry operate, how do insurance agents do the sales and things like that. So my impression of financial service industry is that uh, whether it, it is very product driven, uh, it's very uh, uh, sales oriented. Uh, so. Uh, whatever sales target you achieve, then you are a hero. Uh, the question <laughs> is that who's taking care of the investor? Who's taking care of the uh, consumer? Mm. So that's where that I feel that maybe the best place I can start with uh, financial service industry is doing real writing, which involves quite a lot of uh, educational content. Okay, But later was introduced to the profession of financial planning. Also, I should say the education of financial planning, which I totally fell in love. And I would say I was like overwhelmed by the idea. Uh, I would say throughout my 20 years of experience in financial industry, I would say this is the best thing ever happened in this industry. In the sense that this is the only profession and the business uh, whereby the advisor uh, focus on understanding what the client really want, really needs, and recommend them to the right investment product, right financial product, uh, to the uh, right amount size, so that they'll be able to achieve their financial goals, their financial freedom. So, yeah. so essentially, you, you had exposure to the agency model that was very popular at the time, didn't yes. like the short-term nature, the product-pushing nature of yes. it. But, you know, the cynic in me and more business-minded side, side of me mm. wonders if there 
the reason for this was because you thought that, you know, there would be a better financial upside with financial planning and wealth management. Mm. Was there more money to be made from moving into financial planning and wealth management instead of through the agency model? Uh, I actually didn't come from that point. Uh, but <laughs> to me, I, I would say those people who know me, they are, I'm quite, actually I'm quite idealistic. <laughs> no? I think if something is good, it's worth doing. No? And then we figure out how to make money later. Mm. So on the high side is that, uh, if you look at from a VC point of view, this doesn't seem to be very sensible because I never thought about how big the market is. You didn't have a pitch deck ready, yes. all, all the total addressable market, all yes. those different things. You know, I don't know how many people are willing to pay the fee, but I think this is good. Then I just put my effort to make the best of it. And hopefully it will grow to reach out to more people. Now, holistic financial planning entails taking care of clients from cash flow management to estate planning, uh, which greatly differs from the agent selling insurance products, which is where the industry sort of spun off from. Yes. When you started, was it a challenge or was it difficult mm. to get people to break out of that agency mentality and move to holistic planning, to that concept of uh, engaging in holistic financial planning? Mm. Uh, of course, uh, financial planning, uh, it was something very, very new then. People do not know exactly what does it offer. Now, people know that if I buy a unit trust, uh, it, it should grow my money. If I buy life insurance product, it should protect my family member. But if I engage a financial planner and I pay the fee for it, what do I get? Mm. <laughs> no, okay, maybe you get a good advice, but it could, there's nothing tangible about it. So it is a challenge to really educate the market. So uh, from business point of view, uh, anything that will require a lot of education does not really make a very profitable or a scalable business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you get traction initially then? You know, how did you get clients to buy into mm -hmm. this concept of financial planning as opposed to just buying a product, you know, buying unit trust funds, buying insurance mm -hmm. uh, policies? Yeah, so that's why uh, when I first started, I started to look at the, the full demographic and to see which market segment or which target market uh, of people who will require these services most. Mm. So then I figure out uh, those people who have got a lot of money, like high net worth individuals, the fact that they got a lot of wealth here and there, you know, to a certain extent that they may lost count of what they have, <laughs> how much they have, you know, and what should do you know, to really tidy up what they have. These people maybe need this service the most. So that's where I started focusing my firm uh, to this market and True enough, they have got more money to pay a few thousand ringgits or even 10,000 ringgits of the fee. Mm -hmm. It is uh, quite a peanut to them. So that's where we get it started, you know, get it moving enough to uh, break even and run the business. How did you get your foot in the door with the wealthier clients? Because it's, you know, it's not like you pick up the yellow pages or the phone book and like randomly call people, right? Mm. So how did you get your foot in the door with the wealthier clients? Yeah, honestly... I do not have many wealthy clients. <laughs> I do not have many wealthy uh, friends to start with. Yeah. And many of my friends also do not turn out to be my, my client. Uh, uh, if you remember, many years ago, uh, I, I started hosting column in a newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, I got interviewed by many media, including BFM. And I also uh, published books to educate the market further. And going to many... Uh, institution like Malaysia Employer Association, uh, different industry association. That's where I get to know 
oh, the high level business owner get to know me, you know? So that's where I built the trust and these people started to inquire about service and that's how I grew. Starting doing business with stranger one at a time. Were a lot of your clients early on business owners? Um, they are mainly business owner or maybe CEO of a big corporation. Now, it's been, you've been in this particular business for 23 years now. Mm. Um, how much have things changed since you started? I mean, mm. a lot of things have happened, mm. uh, including a pandemic uh, <laughs> and a great financial crisis or two. Um, for your business, for how you've mm. built this up, how much have things changed? Uh, if you talk about the industry is concerned, uh, of course, there are more people who completed the CIP mm-hmm. qualification, more people who completed RIP, uh, maybe because of more awareness or maybe because government give more encouragement and grant to mm-hmm. support that. Uh, and then, of course, like what you mentioned just now, there are more financial planning firms nowadays. Uh, that, that is what we can see, you know, measurable uh, progress. Uh, but what we can see that is not progressing so much is that uh, not many of the financial planners who are even licensed by Security Commission to really offer financial planning as a service, mm. you know, uh, and then charge a fee for the professional time and the effort they put it in. And that is a bit just disappointing. So you still see that the agency model still holding, that mentality still holding quite strong? Yes. Uh, somehow these people may be licensed, but the majority of the focus is to recommend insurance product or recommend the unit trust, which is more mainstream of the business. Uh, maybe why why is it you know a negative connotation to run a business through the agency model, right? Uh, mm. what, uh, you know, cause we often hear that it doesn't, doesn't serve the clients. Maybe you can explain why that's the case. Uh, b- because if, uh, a salesperson, say for example, whether it's a life insurance salesperson or insurance salesperson, uh, talk to a potential client and do not really understand much the personal financial part, uh, aspect of the particular uh, prospect. Mm. So for example, you do not know exactly how old he is. You do not know <laughs> how much cash he has got. You do not know uh, how many children exactly he has got. And you do not know about what his financial goals exactly no, in a measurable way. So for that matter, any product that you recommend uh, may not really fit into what he needs. And the fact that the financial resources for anybody is limited, uh, whatever they put into this product, okay, so could be a duplicate, could be an overshoot, no? and that will limit the person's uh, financial resources to be put into growing other uh, way to achieve other financial goals. Right, and uh, obviously with that kind of model, they also incentivize through the commissions to continue to push certain products and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So you may be duplicating something you, re- you already have in your financial uh, in your financial toolkit, for example. I mean, wait, we've got to sure. jump into a few messages. Uh, when we mm. come back, we'll talk a little bit about how Whitman is keeping up with the times and managing the rise of digital and AI competition. Folks, I've been speaking with Yap Ming Hui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. I'm Roshni Kanesan. Keep it here to open for business on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by Bosboli.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. Open for business is powered by Bosboli.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandesan and this morning I've been speaking with Yap Ming Hui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. They're, holist- they're a holistic wealth management firm that's advising more than 2 billion ringgit worth of client wealth. Uh, Ming Hui, we spent uh, quite a few minutes earlier talking about how you started the business, but I'm no. quite uh, interested to learn Like you are now advising, as I mentioned, 2 billion worth of client wealth, but mm. that took time to get there. It took yes. changes. It took evolution yes. uh, but among all the challenges that you went through what was the most challenging part about building Whitman as it stands today well, I, I would say there are two parts of it first is uh, actually not easy for a layman or the general public to understand what is financial planning mm. and uh what is tangible value that you get after paying the fee? And uh, now it's even worse because when you mention financial planning, people will ask you back, do you sell insurance or do you sell insurance? Mm. So that just confused the whole uh, explanation of financial planning. The second part of it that to most uh, people, uh, whether you have life insurance industry or insurance industry, for you to evolve, upgrade, upgrade yourself to be a professional financial planner, there's a lot of uh, discipline of knowledge and you need to learn and there is a lot of skill for you to uh, add on to do that. And honestly, not everyone actually is capable of being a good financial planner. How did you, how have you worked with the initial problem, right, of getting people to understand financial planning? Because I guess mm. that's the, one of the most difficult parts about this business is that it's, mm. that it's how do you explain what you're trying to sell the clients? Because mm. it's not a product that can be easily like utilized or where you see a benefit straight away. Mm. Uh, any thoughts on how you've managed to deal with that? Like mm. Getting people to understand what you're doing? Uh, basically, after running the business for almost 10 years, and uh, even though we do not have financial difficulty, we, we are able to keep the business afloat, but the business remains very small. Now with a small clientele uh, and small number of financial planners. And that is not what I have to be because I aim to reform the financial service industry. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so I think something must be wrong. Something that must be something that I do not know. So that's why I decided to engage a branding consultant to, oh. yeah, to do a survey to find out what is people's understanding of financial planning and financial planner. And this you did 10 years in. Yes, after I started the business. So what, what did you learn from that engagement? Yeah, I think there are two things that I actually learned. Number one is that uh, maybe when the consultant survey the general public, even media people, mm. which means uh, the editor of the newspaper, editor, uh, editors of the radio station, they are saying that, oh, why do I need financial plan- planner? I already have financial planner. So when the consultant asks further, what financial planner do you have? Oh, my financial planner is attached to a life insurance company and they are licensed and they, they plan for me you know, financially. You know, and the unit trust agent, I also got, they are financial planner to me. So that's where I realized it is too complicated, and too for confusing. The, for the record, Minghui. Sure. Licensed financial planning, to be a licensed financial planner, it's a very particular license from the Securities Commission, correct? Yes. But the general public do not know. Mm, they, they assume the unit trust consultant or the yes. insurance agent is also a financial plan, which is incorrect. Yes. Yeah. And the second part of it is that uh, most people uh, will have difficulty understanding what they want. Uh, but one thing for sure, confirm what they want for this public, okay, 
is to grow their money. Yeah. So which means to say, if you really want to deliver a solution to them, your solution must be designed in such a way to help them to grow their money. So that's, that's really an eye-opener for us because we never think about how to relate financial planning to grow people's money. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, as at the end of 2022, there are now 44 financial planning firms, according to the Securities Commission, Malaysia's chairman, uh, Dr. Sri, Dr. Awang Adek Hussein, and there are over 1,400 licensed representatives. I think that was almost 150% growth over the seven-year period that they were talking about. So, may, uh, may we tell us a little bit about how Whitman has had to evolve in order to stay relevant and competitive mm-hmm. in what's becoming an increasingly more competitive area? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- we started by offering our service to a small group of high network clients, mm-hmm. charging a reasonable fee. Uh, but along the way, after doing this branding research, we discovered that for us to grow further, we need to really revamp ourselves. So the branding consultant suggested us that you must stop packaging or offering a service that the public or the target market do not understand. Mm. So that's where they pointed us to banks wealth management services. So they say that instead of continuing calling yourself financial planner, you should position yourself, go into the category of banks' wealth management services. Mm-hmm. That's where you will be able to do some innovation, uh, upgrade the service, offer a, a more premium service to uh, to be able to attract and grow the business further. So uh, after that repositioning, we find ourselves to be uh, growing quite fast. And now, if we compare to other financial planning firms, we are considered one of the market leaders. Now, given I mean, that growth is great, but now given the fact that you know we're seeing digital financial planning come up, digital wealth management is very hot now as well. And let's not forget all the talk around AI, right? As we yes. just heard yesterday, uh, ChatGPT can now speak to you mm. uh, in, in voice. So is financial planning, is the financial planning industry a sunset industry, Minghui? Mm. Uh, for in Malaysia context, we need to define financial planner in two categories. The one financial planners who focus on only product selling, uh, especially if you were to sell in- investment product. I believe if we go forward another 10, 15 years, AI, in a, AI technology can go so sophisticated that can recommend the best product and manage the investment portfolio so good you know, that the client may go for AI for investment product selection rather than a human being. Uh, so for that matter, uh, this, for this category of financial planner, chances are you may become obsolete. But for another category of financial planner who focus on uh, having a proper financial plan for the client, understand the client very well, understand the goals, aspiration, uh, and what the client want to achieve financially, and from there, give advice what action to be done and help the client to make good decisions at different stages of life. Uh, of course, this needs to be done with uh, different kind of financial product. And I think uh, for this category of financial planner, they will continue to do better and better despite the threat of the AI technology. What is the value there? Is it the human connection or is it the ability to curate something or, or, and empathize with your client? I guess it takes a human to understand another human. Okay? <laughs> so uh, every client uh, 
is a human. Every investor is a human who has got a life, whether it's married or not married, with children or no children, and getting old by the years. No, and then as a human, different client has got aspiration, has got certain things that actually uh, inspire him and really motivate him, drive him. So for that matter, it takes another financial planner to really understand what exactly this client is all about and what does he want and how we can assist and how to reuse our financial knowledge and financial product to help him and to support him, to hand-holding him so that financially this person can uh, live his life to the fullest, even to the last point of his life. Yeah, I guess because financial issues are such a sensitive area, people want more reassurance and having another person on the other Aside of that, may be more reassuring. Yes. Um, anyway, we've got to jump into the 10.30 a.m. news bulletin. Mm. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the business model of financial planning mm. and whether fee-only financial planning is the future. Uh, I've been speaking with Yang Minghui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. I'm Rishan Kanesan. We're going into the 10.30 a.m. news bulletin right now. But keep it here to open for business on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Business-filled minds, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and in the studio I still have with me Yap Ming Hui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. They're a holistic wealth management firm that's advising more than 2 billion ringgit worth of client wealth. Uh, Ming Hui, earlier we were talking about the competitive landscape right? and, and the rise of digital and all those different things. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe you can give us a sense of what um, Whitman Independent Advisors is mm. doing with digital and tech to keep up with the times. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. We we are not a tech company. Yeah. We are a financial planning company. Uh, in the year 2018, uh, I actually launched a mobile app, uh, which is, uh, I, would call, I would call it a holistic financial planning mobile app. The name is called iWealth. So if you search it as a uh, app store, you should be able to find that. So it, uh, it's a simple app that people can key in their financial goals you know, and then to see whether they have enough money to reach their goal and how they need to adjust their uh, financial factors in order for them to achieve financial freedom. So that is, I think, that much that we, we do you know, uh, as far as the technology is concerned. Mm. What were the uh, lessons from that? Uh, I, I would say it is a totally different view. Uh, mm. It is a uh, feel that we are not familiar with because we do not know how to really promote such a app. We also do not know how to engage <laughs> without having a financial planner <laughs> there. So so somehow uh, it become a good education tool uh, until today. We still keep it uh, active, uh, but it just did not take on, you know, uh, as like uh, any super app like Asia or Grab you know, or Touch and Go like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that distinction, right, because you have the the content and the knowledge, but sometimes the distribution through a tech channel or yes. digital channel, it's a different skill set altogether. Sure. Have you explored any partnerships on this front to maybe mm. explore more digital uh, digital pla- platforms, digital partners, digital mm. distribution, that sort of thing? Uh, not really. Uh, my, my take is that uh, when I look at the... Uh, 
the growth and the progress of robot advisor. Uh, of course, uh, it, it, the, the industry of the robot advisor came in a very big way, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of hoo-ha about it. But we find that uh, whether in the UK, uh, US, Hong Kong, even near to Singapore, after a while, many many robot advisor provider realized that uh, uh the, the customer who are many human will still need some human advisor mm-hmm. to come into assistance and to support. So that's where the model continue to uh, add on uh, human uh, advisor support. So that's where it, it gives me confidence to say that you know, this uh, providing a human financial planning, wealth management service it is something uh, very la- uh, sustainable uh, despite the technology. Uh, track. So there's still space to grow in that sense, right? To marry sure. the human side of financial planning with maybe more accessible or more uh, digitally uh, centric products as well. Yeah. Is that a focus of yours uh, going forward or mm. are you still wait, wait, playing the waiting game? We we don't really wait uh, because as we know, uh, are, when we run these financial planning services uh, offered to the client, that involve the coordination of many products that involve many uh, different personnel in the back end office or middle office to support the financial planners. So we use technologies, we use software, we use uh, apps, no, to make sure uh, that the, all these different parties can communicate in a very clear manner, up-to-date manner, and so that we can deliver the service to the client in an efficient and in a very uh, impactful manner. So you've digitalized operations, yes. essentially, uh, but on the product front, still a mix between, I'm guessing, unit trusts and uh, uh, selling insurance and unit trusts through the more traditional means is still a key part of your business versus um, using the more like, whether it's robo-advisory or whatever else from mm. the digital side of things? Uh, no, not really. Uh, in fact, uh, the, uh, the product range has actually evolved. Okay. Uh, now, nowadays, we also offer uh, ETF product to the client. Uh, we also offer uh, robot advisor product to the client. Uh, in addition to that, there is also direct bond on our platform. Uh, uh, and in, in certain situations, structured product can be available to the client as well. So I think product uh, on the shelf is one thing, but what we, what we whether the client really need the product uh, and then in what situation they need the product, that is another matter. So uh, ultimately, it's about really understanding about what the client really want, uh, what they really need, and which investment product or which financial product will serve their needs uh, in a more optimum manner. So that's where the product comes from. So you're looking at the, so there are many choices available. Yes. You're looking at the suite of products or the the, the whatever you've uh, rostered in. Yes. And then you curate that for the client because um, as I've personally felt, uh, the paradox of choice sometimes can be paralyzing and then yes. you end up doing nothing. <laughs> you analyze until you paralyze. Yeah, and then after mm. you're just like, I'm not going to do anything. Yes. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the, so you mentioned some things that uh, Whitman is offering there. I, I want to get into the business model yes. of the financial yes. planning business. Mm. Um, maybe give us a sense of how financial planning firms and wealth management firms generate revenue. Mm. How is that done? Yeah. Uh, in the first place, when we talk about wealth management, we believe there is a room for us to capture the opportunity there. Uh, simply because that as it is, 
I think there are easily tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of well-management customer offered by the priority banking banks service. So when we offer a service uh, uh, on the next generation or the more premium version, we call it personalized wealth management. Uh, we believe that we are able to give uh, additional choice to the current uh, bank's wealth management clients. Our service is based on our proprietary advisory model, which we call holistic wealth management, uh, which has got five steps. And the first step is to, of course, to start uh, doing a holistic financial plan to understand the client's needs, uh, their want, what their financial goal, and to be able to tailor make the service to them. Okay, and the, this service uh, is easier for most a uh, wealth management client to understand because they are already using such a service. Uh, it's just a, a more improved version. Uh, uh, and then when uh, it's well accepted, we can see some client, uh, they, they, are, uh, they started to move the investment or their financial product they have got in other bank and then they want to consolidate it all under one company by the financial planner that they can trust. So if we talk about a personalized wealth management business model. It involved the revenue coming from advisory fee. Uh, we charge advisory fee ranging from a few thousand ringgit to tens of thousand ringgit, depending on the asset size of the client. And uh, there are also income from investment services. Uh, and also uh, investment services also offer two forms of revenue. One is more on like front-end sales charge and another part of it is more like the uh, annual management advisory fee of it. And there is a mixture of the uh, insurance commissions, uh, also rewriting, trustee introducer, robo-advisor, uh, bond, the kind of uh, uh, transactions kind of fees. And, uh, so you've got the, the fees that you charge for financial planning services, you've got product commissions as well, trailer fees from assets under management, sales charges from the transaction from up, uh, up front from maybe selling unit trust, for example. Yes. Uh, these are some of the key revenue streams there. Um, how much, you know, which are the biggest revenue drivers uh, for mm -hmm. the business? Are we talking about financial planning fees or maybe trailer fees, for example, because given that you have such a big AUM as well? Mm. Uh, honestly, uh the investment portion of the revenue uh, contribute easily more than 50% of the total revenue. So uh, this is a big source of the income. Uh, I would say advisory contribute about 20 plus percentage of the total revenue. And, you know, I, I know you may not answer this, but how much in revenue does uh, Whitman uh, generate on an <laughs> annual basis? Or at least uh, give us a sense, you know? Let's uh, uh, give it a... The, the good and the bad part of it. Okay. <laughs> sure. the, the, I have been in this business for the past 23 years. The first, it takes me the first 10 years for my revenue, my company revenue to hit 1 million after 10 years. Wow. That is very depressing. <laughs> you know? uh, but it, it, there's a lot of uh, error you know, to be corrected. There's a lot of uh, a driver need to be found to drive the company further. But from the uh, first 10 years until today, uh, we have managed to actually achieve a revenue more than 8 million okay, a year, which is, I would say, not too huge, but is quite uh, uh, reasonable considering the effort and the size that we have got. 
Okay, hopefully, uh, we are able to scale the business further and grow the revenue and serve more Malaysian customers. What, what has growth been like over the last few years? You know, because we are mm. we're, we're not sure how much this industry is growing. Can you yeah. share with us? Uh, re- Revenue-wise, we are growing about twenty to thirty percent a year. Okay, so that is I would say quite a healthy growth uh, for a company. Uh, uh, good enough to. Uh, take care of all the expenses and be able to uh, reinvest back to the business again. Uh, Mingyue, we've got to go into a few more messages, but when we come back, we'll talk mm. a little bit about the future, uh, a look at the profitability of this business and whether uh, financial planning should be fee only, all that and more in a few minutes. Folks, I've been speaking with Yang Minghui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to open for business on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9 Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and in the studio this morning, I have Yap Ming Hui, the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors, a holistic wealth management firm. Whitman, uh, Ming Hui, sorry, we spent a bit of time talking about uh, the business model of financial planning, and you've got all sorts of different uh, revenue streams, including yes. the fee-based stuff, but also you know assets under management. You get a trailer fee from there. There are sales charges. There are product commissions as well. All of that make up the business model that is financial planning. Yes. Um, mm. We talked a little bit, you mentioned that uh, you've been seeing 20, 30% growth on revenue the last few years. Mm. You're about, uh, it took 10 years to get to 1 million, <laughs> but now you're at about 8 million in revenue. Yes. Um, what are the margins and profit levels for this kind of business? The margin is not too high. I think in the good years, you may get 20%. Mm. I think average, you're getting about 15% net profit. And what determines the profitability of the business? Because you say good years yeah. may be better, you know, some years may not be as good. Yeah, I would say uh, when you have got a, a client or financial planners who are able to reach out to the more uh, wealthy client mm. who has got bigger wallet share uh, in the business in us, uh, that's where we do better. Uh, and of course, I would say Despite 20 old years in this business, whenever we have a new addition of financial planner, we continue to find that they, we need to increase the staff, you know, the back-end staff, uh, operations staff, uh, power planners to support the financial planner so that they can free themselves from all the paperwork, operations, and they can focus in talking to the clients. Mm. So I find that is... Uh, where we are, uh, a lot of money spent, uh, invested to build the backend support. Uh, but I believe that there is a point that you achieve the optimal and uh, going forward, uh, we, we should be able to increase the profit margin from maybe 15 to 25%. And that helps with that backend office, the scalability of that as well. Yes. Um, while we're talking about looking ahead, mm. do you think the future of financial planning should be fee only, Minghui? Mm. Uh, based on my experience of dealing with many Malaysian clients who are very practical <laughs> person, uh, I, I guess Malaysians do not mind uh, to pay fee. Uh, but uh, there is a limit of how much they want to pay. Mm. Uh, if you were to say that 
I have a business model whereby which is a fee only, whereby uh, I will sum it, run it together to be like 50,000 or 100,000 per year fee service. For that matter, I do not, I will rebate you all the commission from insurance, all the commission of annual management fee of this uh, investment. I, I, I think one year you may have one or two customer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because it's not particular for Malaysia. But what most, what the model that I find which is more acceptable to most Malaysians is that you can charge a fee for the financial planning work that you do, maybe ranging for a few thousand to 10 or 15,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they are willing to pay that. So when it comes to product, if they decide that they need to buy certain investment, whether it's robo-advisor, ETF, unit trust also, they do not mind to pay you again. You know, because to them is that I pay you a lot of fee. At the end, I do not subscribe enough product from you that I'll be losing out. Mm. So I might as well pay as uh, pay you the service uh, as it goes. So I need this, I pay you. I need insurance, I pay you. I need unit trust, I pay you. So this is what I find more practical in Malaysia. And this is what you're talking about. It's an annual fee. It's talking about like it's a a fee per per service. Yeah. Uh, the financial planning service that I find more relevant uh, so far is a service which is an annual fee mm. uh, and then it is a retainer service kind okay. of thing and it, uh, the client may renew the service on a yearly basis. Uh, then that only make the whole business model to be more viable financially and for the client, there is one financial planner who side by side with him throughout different stages of his life. Now, you've been mm. running Whitman for now, 23 years. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have any plans to list the firm, Ming Hui? I, in, of course, hope to reach out to more Malaysian uh, to enjoy the good advice, objective advice, to grow their money uh, in a more optimal manner. And to do that, Whitman must grow. Mm. Okay. And of course, we believe that we should reach out to more uh, cities, uh, more towns in Malaysia to grow their service. Uh, to make the service available, uh, but also uh, thinking about how to make how to make this financial planning service uh, a good legacy to the industry. Uh, if you look at the industry now, uh, financial service industry, we have got life insurance financial institution, we have got fund management institution, we have got banking institution, but we do not have a financial planning institution. So I guess my my hope. Uh, is that given the opportunity, uh, we'll be able to grow to a size whereby we're able to list the company and then uh, eventually uh, have more resources to grow the company further. And then uh, when I retire, I hope I can leave a financial a financial planning institution to Malaysian public so that should they need a good advice, uh, there is an institution whereby they know where to look for. Mingo, you can't say something like retirement and not expect me to follow up, right? So um, <laughs> what can you talk to, uh, talk to us about your succession planning uh, at this point? Yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, in the beginning, of course, it's very challenging because we need to find out where is our direction, how to position our service. But as we grow after 20 over years, we find that it's about team effort to really keep the company going and to make sure that we can continue to deliver good advice. And I find there are a few key staff 
there are few key senior financial planner in the firm who play a major role to grow the company. So that's where uh, one of the succession plan I have got is to make them shareholders. Mm. You know? So my, my intention is not to make Wigman a Yap Ming Hui and Co. My intention is to make this Wigman a, a public company in the sense that there are maybe 10 or 20 uh, or 30 shareholders who each play a role to continue to run the business uh, according to the values uh, that we have got and to serve more people. Minghui, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you uh, again. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Folks, I've been speaking with Yap Minghui. He's the founder and managing director of Whitman Independent Advisors. I'm Roshan Kainasin. Keep your head open for business on BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.